0: It's a game! Rules. Rules. Culver's is great, dude. I'm no. so sick of you, Aram. You got Fink into it, too. I heard you guys called me artsy, and I am, <laughs> and I take that as a compliment. But, like, how can you... That I said it feels dangerous to slander, to defame a fast food burger without having a fast food burger. Like, oh, Culver's sucks. I've never had it i've never heard of it but it blows
1: why peter it's called a butter burger yeah it's good sounds like scary not just it sounds gross it sounds not only
0: bad but detrimental to your health on top of it a butter burger is coming to see your friend jack in the midwest like at or near the the top or middle or even bottom of your list it is at the top of my list, and we're going to go to
1: Culver's, and we're going to do a review, and we're going to see, truthfully, whether it's actually better than In-N-Out. I can understand you liking it. If you just like, for example, the way Aram brought up BurgerFi, he wasn't like, this is much better than In-N-Out taking a stance. He's like, it's down here in Florida. I'm a big fan of it. It's something you should try. That's re- that's reasonable. You coming on here saying it's better than In-N-Out is blasphemous.
0: It's blasphemous. It's terrible. It's a bad take. I just, I respectfully disagree with you. It's fine. Um, All right. So we're going to do that. And I I think a really unique and never before seen way to go about it is like, if we get out of the car and you're standing outside and you, you pretend that you're only going to take one bite and then review it, but take more than that. But before that you say one bite, everybody knows the rules, right? Like, even though nobody knows
1: the rule right away, that'd be so funny and great. That'd be so good. We're not ripping anybody off, are we? No, I don't think so. Just <laughs> baseball Thursday. show
0: for Thursday, February 23rd. We're talking about rules in Major League Baseball. I also want to talk about one in Minor League Baseball. And um, you you said you've been getting a lot of questions. You've been getting a lot of like replies on social media, whether it be YouTube, whether it be, um, you know, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. And uh, I said, you know, Taylor Davis and I talked about it on one of just baseball's new podcast, Show and Go um because taylor saw a bunch of it he he caught with the automatic ball strike which i want to talk about at the minor league level um in charlotte he's also seen you know minor league baseball had uh some shift regulations we didn't have that in AAA, but we have the pitch clock which is a game changer um so it's fresh in my mind i'm ready to talk about it we'll go one by one here um we can start with bigger bases do you want bigger bases Yeah, I
1: just think it's cool in general that MLB is changing the rules, Um, and normally that sentence wouldn't come out of my mouth, because normally when MLB institutes new things, they often don't go all that great, or they're not often well-received initially, and I assume that some of these rules initially won't be well-received. But that's why I really wanted to have this conversation, go over the new rules and talk about why some could end up being complete game changers, like you said. But also, I want your opinion on some that you might not necessarily like because not everything is going to be perfect. But after looking at the rules, listening to you and Taylor, and also listening to guys like Jeff Passon, I was even listening to WFAN with Michael K. and... There's a lot of positives, but there's some negatives, and I'm excited to go over them because they will
0: affect our game moving forward. Get the outlet right. Michael K is not on the fan, baby. He's not on FAN. Michael K show. I watched it on, on ESPN I New know. York. I don't know what I'm doing. I watch it on YouTube, so. You doofus. He used to be the, on the fan, right? New York resident doesn't know what channel, doesn't know what station the Michael K show is on. I don't have a car. Crazy man, who cares, dude? Pull it up. A, you know what? Yeah, you watch the video side, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. what is that? Does Does yes pick up the Michael K show or does SNY pick up the Michael K show? I'd assume yes,
1: I'm, yes, yeah, it has to be yes. I don't watch it on yes, I don't watch it, I just watch it on YouTube. It's you great, crazy. yeah, these little segments, it's much better.
0: You crazy man. Um, and if you're yeah, watching I mean, this on
1: YouTube, hit us with a like, hit us with a subscribe because a lot of people they watch this on YouTube and they don't even listen to the podcast stuff. Even though it's
0: very similar. Yes. Well, it's the same exact thing. You hear the same words. You just don't see our faces. Sometimes there's secrets. Uh, Sometimes we do show and tell. You're right. Now, the thing with baseball, I think baseball people will say, oh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was broken. Like baseball was broken. There were some serious issues. Pace of play was a serious issue. I think reluctance to put the ball in play was a serious issue. But the reason I want to start with the bigger bases, Taylor said, wait, you're forgetting one at the tail end of us talking about it. And I said, which one? And he said, bigger bases. And I said, do you care? And he said, no, dude, I don't care. I think it's it's. I understand the idea of making it a larger surface area for guys to step on to limit, you know, injuries and and stepping on each other's feet and all that stuff. But, like, who cares? It's not going to change stolen bases. That's what I was curious about because I saw that one and my first instinct
1: was, all right, I'll scroll right past this one because, like, who cares? But then there was another part of me that said, well, will this impact stolen bases? Will it make guys more likely to run maybe that doesn't actually lead to more stolen bases but is there a small part of their brain thinking I might have a better shot of stealing this base it might not I'm curious if you've seen anything or if you've heard anything because everything I've heard won't really matter but I had the question so I'm asking the question I, I think Donald
0: I think Josh Donaldson may go 30 30 with the bigger bases now fuck him I'm so, it doesn't <laughs> did you see his thing like he was going viral on shorts? Clear. No, it wasn't shorts. It was high baseball pants with crew socks. So he just had half of his calf showing. I thought it was, it looked like
1: pinstripe shorts he was wearing. Obviously they're baseball pants and he like hikes him up, but they looked like shorts. And I see him striking out against Clark Schmidt in spring training. Like I know there's people on social media trying to bring him down, but it's working. Like it's working. I see the videos. It's working. I, yeah, it's,
0: I hate it. Yeah, no, it's got, it's got zero, I think different zero difference will be made with the bigger bases. I really don't think so. Like maybe a guy has that, you know, teensy bit of confidence, like, oh, I have two more inches uh that that I can get my fingertip on, whatever. Uh, I, I don't think that it's gonna impact absolutely anything. Uh the One- limit injuries. So it's it's a good thing, right? You would say yeah. positive. It's fine. Yeah, it's not a negative. It's not a yeah. negative. It's okay. like okay, who cares? Okay. <laughs> One of them that I I'm really torn about. I want to save the pitch clock is the shift rule. So mm-hmm. the new shift rule that will be in play in Major League Baseball is two infielders need to be on either side of second base, and everybody, all four infielders, need to have their feet on the infield dirt, which. I think, helps the anti-shift crowd. You can still shade. The difference between shade and shift, I think, is really important because Mm -hmm. you can still shade a lefty bat to pull, right? The shortstop can be six inches to the left of the second base bag. He's not playing your typical shortstop positioning. They are not ball and chained to their straight-up position. They can still shade. What this eliminates is the second baseman playing shallow right field and the shortstop playing second base, which overall I do think is a pretty good thing. I was, I was anti banning the shift. I like that. They're kind of finding a halfway point.
1: I agree. I go back and forth on uh, hating and loving the shift because the fan in me, the Yankee fan in me, wants these big lefty boppers to have the open right field naturally be able to squeak these ground balls through but the baseball person like the person who covers the entire league the person who follows other teams thinks if it's an advantage you should use it and then there's also scenarios where can you drop a bunt down please if everyone's on the right side of the field and yeah, you're this perceived power hitter. Your job is to hit home runs. Yeah, it's getting on base works. Like, I'm sure if you're a home run hitter and you hit a single up the middle, you're not upset. It's the same thing with bunting. Like, if you can learn how to bunt the ball down the third baseline, I loved when the guys like Robinson Cano were doing that for the Yankees. Yeah. Just get on base. Sometimes it even results in a double. Yeah. Be smart. So I go both ways. But then when it finally happened, I am just, Happy with it. I'm not upset with it. I'm happy that we don't have to deal with complaining anymore, but there's still the element there of like not shifting over, like you said,
0: but just kind of moving a little bit. Yeah. But there is more greenery for these guys to drop a single into, which is excellent. And I I like that they're limiting the depth at which guys play. You know, I don't really care about horizontal positioning my thing was vertical positioning Manny Machado playing shallow right yeah. really pissed me off
1: like there were uh, there were games where he was running back into like almost deep right field to yeah catch. no he was in the right field corner like he was in foul ground deep in right field and he was making catches one thing I did like the shit about the shift and maybe this was in very specific circumstances and it didn't happen that
0: many times but four outfielders was kind of crazy <laughs> it was crazy. And, and I think that we're going to see... Um, so, Matt Spiegel, friend of the program, tweeted out this like diagram of what could happen in terms of outfield positioning, where you almost go from four outfielders to two outfielders, and you've got a guy that puts it on the ground all the time. And you make your center fielder your left center fielder, you make your rangiest corner outfield your right center fielder, and then you've got the less rangy guy almost come play a shallow center to cover that area, which I think teams are going to find loopholes. And I I think we're going to see Tampa or Cleveland or whoever the hell do these crazy things. We're still going to see some crazy defensive alignments. I think in a perfect world for me, Jack, the baseball fan, I would have placed no limitations on how many guys could have been on either side of second base, but I would have placed limitations on all four infielders needing to have their feet on the infield dirt. So I'm okay with a shortstop second baseman and first baseman all to the right of the second base back. I just want them all on the infield dirt.
1: Fair? Yes, that is fair. And I won't bring you down for that one like Culver's. That's just your opinion, and, and that makes a lot of sense. My opinion is let's have the shortstop and the third baseman on the left side of the infield, whether that be straight up the middle, but not shading above second base. And let's keep second base and first base on the right side of the infield. That's what I was hoping from the shift. And that's and you more got of what I think we'll see. So that's, I'm happy about that. That's Fair. something that I think makes the most sense. And I'm also excited for all these players who, you know, the numbers show that with the banning of the shift, they are due to, have better numbers next year and I'm excited for that I'm excited to see how it changes the game I think it's
0: overall a plus which is why you think Corey Seager is going to be a first ballot hall of famer after the 2023 season Corey Bonds he's gonna hit 450 with 80 nukes and it'll be the craziest year you've ever seen in baseball history it's road to the show on rookie level and you're on crack we're not
1: exactly sure how but yes, he will double his home run total just because a second baseman
0: isn't playing shallow right field. Oh, yeah, man. Yes. That's It's a confidence booster. <laughs> yeah. um, how about this from another front of the program, Codify, Major League Baseball teams hitting under 240. And this is my baseball Neanderthal coming out, but I like batting average. And Me this too. banning of the shift will help out batting average. I think we're going to see some 300 hitters this year. Thankfully, I don't think the batting title is going to go to somebody that hits 318 like it did last year. but. Years or MLB teams by year with teams hitting under 240. From 1998 through 2009, there was not a single Major League Baseball team with a team batting average under 240. Crazy. Mm. Then you get five or fewer until 2018. 2018, there were eight teams that hit under 240. 2019, four teams. 2020, 11. 2021, 12. 2022, 14 teams hit under mm. 240. That means the league Ugh. average batting average was 240. Yeah. And you and people
1: say, yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It was broken. That was broken. broken. That is a bad product. It is similar right now to the NBA and they're not making rule changes where it's all threes. It's all this bullshit. That's why I don't watch the NBA anymore. And I used to watch the NBA. And I'm sure there's a lot of baseball fans who used to watch Major League Baseball, but then saw this product where it's slowly transitioning to three true outcomes where they're not putting the ball in play as much. I'm sure there's fans like that. Hopefully, this brings back those fans seeing more balls in play and more base hits. Because while average, we joke around about it, that it's not the best stat to compare players with. It's it's visible on the field. A line out with an expected batting average at 104 with a launch angle of 14 is good in your stat cast data, but it doesn't result in a base hit. It doesn't result in more fun. It's a hard hit ball. It's good to project later. More often than not, that ball is going to land, but batting average is simply base hits, doubles, triples. We want those events in Major League Baseball. So the batting average is visible on the
0: field what's uh, 99% of our listenership grew up playing at some point in their lives, whether it was backyard, whether it was t-ball, whether it was little league, whether it was high school, college ball, whether it's guys that are in the professional ranks, 99%, maybe higher than that of our listenership Played baseball or softball some point in their life. So I ask you this, as the former player, whether it was former T-ball or former college player, what was more fun, a single or a walk? Yeah. A single. What's a better? What made you sleep better that night if you went two for four or one for four with a walk? Two for four. And you like know what I mean. Clubs. It's like yeah. hits feel good. Walks are the worst thing to watch in baseball. There's nothing I hate more than walks from a pitching perspective, from a hitting perspective. And I think we're going to get less of that here because guys are more inclined to put the ball in play because a Kyle Schwarber, he's not going to take a billion pitches waiting for the one that he can lift to right field. If he thinks that's the only
1: way he was able to get hits. Because if he hits the ball on the ground on the right side, it's getting gobbled up by eight
0: infielders. Exactly. So I think guys will be more naturally inclined. Like their hitting instincts will come back. And it may not be this year. It may take two or three years. But I think guys hitting instincts are going to come back where instead of, oh, that was a good pitch to hit, but that wasn't my pitch to hit. If they see a pitch to hit, they're going to swing at it. And we need more guys swinging at good pitches. Exactly. And that's why this is
1: a plus. Now, you made a great point. It might not immediately show up opening
0: day. No, but it's b- something habits are hard that to make, And it's something that will make our game better. Yes. You you ask somebody to stop biting their nails. It may take a year for them to stop. You know, they they may uh when I was in elementary school, I you know, I, I still am a nail biter, but when I was in elementary school, I put clear nail nail polish on. And I like developed a taste for clear nail polish. It was it was that bad. Oh, and I was just like, okay, so this isn't gonna get solved overnight, right? And it's instinctual. If you want to quit a social media, if you take Twitter off your phone but only have it on your iPad, every time you go on your iPad, you're gonna open Twitter, right? Habits are hard to break. So a Schwarber, a Gallo, a Seeger, it's gonna be hard to see a pitch on the inside and maybe low where they feel like they can hit it hard but maybe on the ground and not think oh I gotta lay off that right it, it's gonna take a little bit for their natural hitting instincts to come back and play but I think this is a great start grade the new shift rule for me a plus to F. I give it an a I yeah. thought it was
1: great I think it's a great thing I think it's overall a plus I think you're splitting hairs if you're finding a way to give it like a B or a B minus. Um, I don't think it's an A plus because it's not perfect, but it's an A. I'm very excited for it. I think it makes our game better. That's a
0: 94%. So my personal preference will make me give it a B plus because again, I would not mind if there were three infielders on a certain side of the bag. So that's the only reason I give it a B plus. So, and that's totally fair. My opinion is what it is. So I'm happy. It's good. It's something that we added that will benefit the game. Exactly. Pitch clock a plus Mm. a plus a plus. I have watched it for the last year. It is awesome. I cannot wait for this to be a part of major league baseball moving forward. 15 seconds between pitches with nobody on, 20 seconds between pitches with a runner on base. Kenley Jansen was taking over 30 seconds between pitches with a runner on base. It's a problem, man. And I noticed it so drastically And we were talking about this on Show and Go. I, I noticed it to the nth degree when we had a major league rehabbing pitcher. So you've got a reliever. David Bednar had a, re- had a rehab assignment. Luis Castillo had a rehab assignment that I was calling. I want to take Bednar, for example, because Bednar threw in the fourth inning. We had a classic AAA guy work with the pitch clock. Game was flying by. We were through three innings, I think in, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes. Like they are max five minute half innings. Bednar's inning was a one, two, three inning. And it took about seven minutes. Mm -hmm. There's a massive, massive difference. I couldn't be higher on it. Um, I've seen it firsthand for a year. Any questions that you have, I will try and answer. Fire away. No, I mean, I don't have that many questions. Um,
1: More just, I heard you and Taylor talk about it on Show & Go. People who have not only been in the physical games, but have then called the physical games. So that's why I definitely go check out show and go. That podcast is awesome. Great insight from both sides of the ball. So heard a pluses from both of you. Then I was listening to the Michael K show when they had Jeff Passon on, they had Buster only on. You should have heard passing and only raving about this, talking about this is going to be 1970s baseball once again, yes, that this was yes. the biggest problem in our sport. They were raving about it like you handed them a check for a million dollars. That yes. was their opinion on it. And so, and hold on. Don Lagreca yeah. though then came firing back because we know Don LaGreca. I think he's one of the most entertaining people who talks into a microphone about sports. Yeah. You can love him or hate him, but entertainment is his game. And he made a really good point where he was like, this is the most guaranteed bet of the MLB season. I will hang my hat on this. Of course, he's screaming saying this, so right, I can't right, do him right. justice. But he said, one pitcher or more will blame the pitch clock on an injury. He was like, put it in writing. This is happening. And I thought that was funny because I truly can see that. Could it lead to a guy who, you know, glass now with the new balls. And he was like, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't get a grip on it so that's what led to my elbow tear or something like that or he, he made some points but what's the argument here i
0: can't stretch my arm in between
1: pitches anymore that it's that it's getting me off my rhythm it's getting me off my routine you know pitchers are creatures of habit so if it gets them off slightly they could feel rushed and then overextend their leg tear a hamstring i don't know i'm Make not your making your routine that point. better yes and but that is something that you could say, well, pitchers, figure out the ball, right? You have all this time, figure it out. But then they didn't. Like, these guys are just creatures of habit. I'm not trying to compare. I'm just giving you a point of something that someone else said that I thought to myself, I could see that. Whether it's true or not, a pitcher blaming an injury on him being accelerated from the pitch clock, messing up his routine.
0: I think they're very different conversations because the baseball conversation and what Glasnow was getting at actually has an impact. Make a fist and feel your elbow where your UCL is. Feel that tighten up. You can feel that in your forearm. So when each ball feels different, you're trying to grip it. And Glasnow said, choke the shit out of it. The harder fist you make, the more tight that is and you feel a direct line to your UCL, so i understand that that could be an injury problem right throwing a dusty cue ball i know that's what people were calling it um with this one what routine takes more than 15 seconds for a pitcher the only guy is like steven strasberg and kennelly jansen Is he going to blow out an elbow because he can't do his sniper-type breathing where he's got to get his heart rate right before throwing this pitch? Bullshit. I don't care, man. I saw so many pitchers that benefited from this. And tell you what, I heard more negative reactions to the pitch clock from the hitter than the pitcher Mm. because the pitcher has the advantage. When they are on, when they are pounding the strike zone, when they're feeling it, all they want to do is get the ball back and throw it again. They want to be in attack mode. They want hitters on their heels. And the beauty of this pitch clock is that hitters have no time to reset. It's awesome. Now, the problem on the pitching side is if you're off, if you keep on missing up with your fastball, if you keep on yanking a slider, you want to take that moment to take a lap around the mound and reset, mentally reset, whether it was take your hat off, deep breath, you know, stretch something, you know, touch your brim, whatever it was you need to think of a really quick way to reset now as opposed to taking 40 seconds between pitches. For hitters, we already knew that a problem was stepping out of the batter's box. I think this just creates its go time from pitch one. If it's a seven pitch at bat, it's going to take a minute and a half, two minutes, as opposed to a seven pitch at bat taking three minutes. Because after each pitch, after each put away pitch that is fouled away, That took 30 seconds because you're looking for that edge. I think it's attack mode from the jump. It's awesome. And let me tell you this. um, Don LaGreca, I bet, has not sat through a game where he saw the pitch clock. Um, I work with Howard Kelman, who's going to enter year 47 of being the voice of the Indianapolis Indians. Legend. And this is a guy that grew up watching Roger Maris. Like, first baseball that he remembers was Maris and Mantle. And you would think with something like that, right? With a pitch clock, it's, oh, like, this isn't pure baseball. He fucking loved it. Aram, we were driving up to a ballpark in Biloxi when we did that Deep South trip. And I said, dude, you're going to love this pitch clock. And he's like, I've never seen it. I'm going in with it with an open mind. We walk away from that game. And he was like, dude, I'm all in after one game. I bet you opening day, anybody that's anti-pitch clock is going to look at the clock when the game's over and say, oh, wow, I have a whole day left. This is awesome. See, that is everything I've heard. From people who have seen it
1: and watched it multiple times, the reaction is, this is the best thing ever. It's like if you wanted to watch more home runs in the home run derby and they said, we're putting in metal bats, and then you came away from it thinking, This is the best thing that's ever happened. That seems to be the reaction. So I did have a couple of questions after listening to your guys' show, listening to them, because you made a a lot of really good points. But my one worry with it, you said it yourself. Are the pitchers going to have so much of an advantage it actually lessens hitting? Because you said that the pitchers are getting into a rhythm and we could see a lot of shutouts or stuff like that when a guy just has it. And a guy who normally has his routine of fixing his batting gloves gets thrown out of whack and then he's unable to adjust. Now they should be able to adjust. That's why this is not a perfect rule opening day, even though it seems like this might be the rule where it is perfect, at least from the jump. But I can see that happening where we see some low score games early. That's why I was questioning Is this something that is just an advantage for the pitchers? Or to your point where you said, well, some times the guy is off, so we could actually lead to a horrible outing. Yeah, But what happens more often? Because you've seen it
0: more than once. Yeah, I mean, what I would say is baseball with the pitch clock will be more of a game of runs. It will be more of a game of streaks. So if you see a quick first out, you could be looking at a two-minute half inning, which is a pitcher's dream. If there are back to back singles and the pitcher is on their heels and they know they have to execute a pitch, all of a sudden it could turn into a three run, four run inning because things just snowball quickly. Things are going to snowball, whether it's positive for the pitcher mm. or positive for the hitter. And that's what we love about basketball, right? We love mm-hmm. the 10 0 run followed by a 10 to run by the other team, right? It's, it's not always back and forth and back and forth. I think that this will create more runs. This will create, and not like literal runs scored in a baseball game. This will create more runs. This will create more streaks of of good things happening for offenses or good things happening for pitchers. Hey, and that's what I saw. That'll be interesting
1: in the live betting sphere, yeah. catching momentum early. Like what were some key moments of momentum that you saw during your time watching the pitch clock? So
0: I would say if you see, you know, like back-to-back hits to open a game, first five innings over, that that feels like a very good bet to place because all of a sudden you're on your heels in the first inning. What does that do for a guy's mindset? Yeah, maybe
1: not even an over, but maybe a live money line. Like let's say a team is an underdog. And they're going against a better pitcher on the mound. And it seems that that team should win because it's an ace versus a three starter or something, which happens all the time. But that ace doesn't have it. The command isn't there early. And then they start to snowball. That could be some time to find some good value on that underdog or
0: vice versa. So, you know, that feeling that you really only get if you watch a ton of a sport or have played that sport before where you can watch a guy throw, watch a guy hit. And it's like, wow he feels it today. And and especially with starting pitchers, right? He's feeling it today. Oh, I yeah. think you're going to get that feeling of, wow, he's feeling it today a lot quicker, like first or second inning. That's what I look at almost every single game
1: when I'm starting. and And if I open it up to live bets, something that is very easy, this is not all of it, but just an easy pointer to just kind of get you rolling if you're interested in this sort of thing. Look at where the catcher is set up And look at if the pitcher is hitting his spots there. Because there are times where a guy is really nasty and he calls for a fastball, you know, on the lower outside corner, right? But then he throws a fastball up and it's middle. And he gets a strikeout. He didn't hit his spots. He might be a little bit off. He might have gotten a little bit lucky there by not hitting his spot. But let's say he gets um, a base hit, but the catcher called for that fastball low and away and the hitter just got a good piece of it. That doesn't mean the pitcher is off there. So those are just easy things to watch. Look for where the catcher's glove is set up. If a pitcher is hitting his spots early, that's normally a good sign. If he's not, that's where no matter what actually happens to that event,
0: just keep that on in the back of your mind. Yeah, my last thing on the clock. We're not speed running baseball. Like pitchers are not going to turn into Wade Miley and Mark Burley, and that's the only way that you can throw through the course of a game. 40 to 50%, I bet actually now that I think of it, maybe north of 50% of guys in Major League Baseball already fit into the time constraints that will be set. All this does is get the slow motherfuckers to speed it up, which is exactly what we need. It's exactly
1: what we need. I had um one more question too um about the pitch clock. So we've seen it in college so far. Um, I'm I, I don't watch a lot of minor league games. That's why automatic balls, for. the and, automatic strikes, yeah. the automatic balls, automatic strikes. We've seen it in college. There has been some hoopla about it. But it's not been to the point where it's so egregious or anything. And I, I kind of like it so far. It adds an element of, oh, my God, we just got screwed. Get in the box. right? It's, it adds that level of like anxiety and nervousness of we got to get in the box. We see the pitch, pitch call going down. So I actually like it, but I could totally see hitters and pitchers being super, super annoyed at it. Right.
0: Is that a part of the rule? And how do you think that it will affect Major League Baseball? Yeah. So the players obviously hate it. Like the players hate the violation. They like the clock, but when the clock doesn't work for them, they hate it. They're like, what is this? I guarantee you Madison Bumgarner is going to issue an automatic walk and he's going to throw a temper tantrum. And by temper tantrum, he's just going to look like he hates (laughs) life, which he always looks like. And yeah, I mean... It's going to be Madison Bumgarner. We know that. It's going to be Madison Bumgarner that issues an automatic walk and raises hell about it. And we're going to get every article from every outlet ever of Bumgarner saying, this is stupid. I'm done. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, it's really frustrating for the player. What I will say is it's also confusing for the fans sometimes. As somebody calling the game, there were points where both Howard and I were like confused as to what was going on right when a guy starts walking away it's oh that was an automatic strike three call um so i i think that there is like a teensy bit of confusion i think that year two for me it's probably going to be a, a bit easier to detect but it might be a full year where you're just like wait what just happened if a guy's taking his base and just know that it's probably an automatic ball call um the other thing that I think players understand, but you don't want to test it too much, is on an umpire-by-umpire basis, their level of stringency changes. So I saw guys that were very strict with it. Like if a guy wasn't looking like he was ready to hit at nine seconds, um, they would call the automatic strike. But there were other umpires where eight, Seven, and now a guy's ready and they wouldn't do anything. So I, I think it'll vary on an umpire by umpire basis. That can get dicey. Dicey, because when Angel Hernandez is a dick. Yeah,
1: ugh. I, I don't want to put more power into the hands of some of these people. Some of them are amazing. Yeah. some of Pat them Holberg, may, King. Pat Holberg, King. Some of them make me want to drive a spear through my television. Angel Hernandez, Spear TV. I was hoping not to name them, but you did. And now we're here. Yeah, yeah, Angel Hernandez is an easy scapegoat, but there are more of them. And there are more of Pat Holbergs out there who do a really, really good job. One more question I had, and maybe this isn't even pertaining to the pitch clock. This might be a new one that we're transitioning to. Yes, I'm trying to food. Does it look good? Challenge, yeah, it looks great. Challenging balls and strikes. Right. Because we saw that in the minor leagues with Jason Dominguez, that viral video where he yeah, it was in he, the fall like league. This. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the fall league. And, you know, he challenged a strike call. I think it was strike three. And I think he won it. Not sure if he won,
0: but yeah, it was a, it was a pitch. He was called out on strikes. He challenged it. He won and he walked okay, is that something we'll see in Major League Baseball? Not this year, but that's something that we're going to see in Minor League Baseball. And when you come out to Indianapolis, you are going to see the ABS system. So that is the big ad, and that's the final rule that I wanted to talk about and the only Minor League rule that I wanted to talk about. So every AAA ballpark is going to have some sort of automatic strike zone. 15 Minor League ballparks or AAA ballparks are going to have the like full – Automated strike zone. So there will be an electronic ball strike call relayed to the home plate umpire, and that's the call. The other 15 will have the ABS challenge system, which is what Indianapolis is going to have. Um, I'm really glad that we see the challenge system instead of the electronic strike zone because the challenge, I like, I'm more excited to see the challenge system. And I actually think that that is the one that makes its way to Major League Baseball instead of fully automated. Mm. The challenge system is in the background, you've got the fully automated strike zone running. But it is still up to human error of the home plate umpire to make the ball strike call. Think of tennis. If you watch a grand slam that isn't the French, I think the French is the only one that doesn't use it, but the US Open, Wimbledon, uh, and the Australian Open. If you watch, one of the players can challenge, and you see the replay of the ball landing near the line, and it shows in or out. That's pretty much what happens. So I think it's like three challenges a game. I don't know the exact number of challenges right now. I will have that answer before March 31 because I'm going to have to know. But say a hitter in the second inning is even the count 2-2. Slider, lower outside corner, hitter thinks it's ball three, umpire rings him up. You can pull the Jason Dominguez, hit the top of your head. Then on the Jumbotron in center field or wherever it is, They will show what looks very similar to that replay in tennis, where you see, and you see it a lot on you know, baseball TV broadcasts where they'll they'll show like the automated strike zone and the flight of the ball if it clicks if it clips the strike zone or anything like that. That is exactly what you will see. That's what the player and umpire will see. And if the ball does clip the outside corner of the strike zone, then the call stands. If it Mm. does not, then the call is overturned. It's three and two. Hmm, i like it i am a fan of it one last question what levels of the minor leagues is this going to be available on just triple a double a2 all levels where that's a good question it was so fully automated was around in low a last year i want to say um there were a couple places with fully automated strike zones like charlotte had a fully automated strike zone Uh, i think the pcl had a fully automated strike zone last year the pacific coast league at least they did have uh um, Hawkeye, which is like Statcast data. Also, every AAA ballpark now equipped with Statcast. So there is a loophole on Baseball Savant to go see exit velocities and all that for AAA games, which is going to be awesome. awesome. But um yeah, the the big ruling for Major League Baseball was every AAA ballpark will either have the automated strike zone or the ABS challenge system. So if you do want to see it at play, tune into a a game. Well, I
1: hope everybody enjoyed the rule changes. We tried to break it down the best way we can. We have the best person I think of. When I think of rule changes in Major League Baseball, and that is our guy Jack McMullen. He's nice. seen it firsthand in the minor leagues. He has a podcast, Show and Go, which you should go and check out with Taylor Davis, who is a career big leaguer. He's a career minor leaguer. He's been up and down. He's been everywhere in in Major League Baseball and in Minor League Baseball, and now has been the physical catcher in these type of at-bats. Make sure if you want to know anything more, if you want to see his insight, definitely go check out that episode and continue to check out those episodes. It's awesome insight. They have player player interviews all the time. This will definitely affect the minor leagues. Definitely all that stuff that Jack is talking about with exit velocities, all the stat cast data. We know that Jack and Arm are going to be going over those on the call up. So make sure to go check out the minor league podcast. Not gambling advice is humming soon. And the yes. reason I say soon is I've spent the last couple of nights late into the night going over home run and strikeout projections on prize picks the spreadsheet looks crazy let me interrupt you here the spreadsheet peter just shared with me looks freaking absurd yeah it's a lot of stuff a lot of different projections and i found a lot of value on home runs and strikeouts don't talk to me about rbis they're impossible to project so much variance so much mumbo jumbo it's all about Your teammates and it's not something I'm ever going to put my money on and also not something I'd ever tell you to put your money on, even though it's not gambling advice, but we know the drill. Also, multi-home run games on prize picks? No. Home runs, strikeouts, those are something that we could project. Those are something that we can tangibly look at and make money off of. If you want to be a part of that, make sure to download prize picks. Use code just baseball. It is in the episode description. Full one hundred percent deposit match. We're gonna be playing so many season long props because I see so much value and I'm just buzzing right now. College baseball, we got it. Making bets, we know the drill. Get your just baseball merch. It's in the episode description. Best way to support our podcast. If you don't want to spend a dime, no worries. You could rate us five stars on Apple or Spotify, as well as leave a like, hit that subscribe button and comment some of your problems or your favorites with the rule changes all watching on YouTube way too close for Jack's face. But with that,
0: thank you. everybody.